After a traumatic birth in 2018, decorated American sprinter Allison Felix began the arduous process of conditioning her body for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. We all know what happened next. The pandemic broke out and the games were postponed for a full year, which means that Felix has essentially had to live through her fifth trimester twice. The newly popular term, which was coined by author Lauren Smith Brody in her 2017 book of the same name, encapsulates those often challenging months when many postpartum mothers rejoin the workforce, moments of which Felix has had many. Because it isn't just her track and field training that has required endurance. The nine-time Olympic medalist and the only woman to win six Olympic track and field gold medals has become a vocal advocate for fetal and maternal health care and equal pay causes that she has taken up in front of Congress and in a widely circulated New York Times op-ed in which she criticized Nike for failing to add protections to her contract in the months surrounding the birth of her daughter. In response, the company announced a new maternity policy that guaranteed an athlete's pay and bonuses for 18 months surrounding pregnancy. This week, Procter & Gamble released a series of videos celebrating Felix's accomplishments, both on and off the track, as she prepares to return to the Olympic qualifiers in June as a sprinter, a seasoned competitor, and as a mom who still needs to negotiate childcare with her partner. I imagine the last year has been particularly interesting for you. I mean, everybody has their own version of how the pandemic has impacted them personally, but I can't imagine having trained for a full year expecting the games to happen and then basically getting a year pause. And it occurred to me that, you know, you are essentially in what is now called, you know, your fifth trimester, which kind of evolves for many months when you are sort of a new and working mom. And you have a very unique job. So I'm very curious, you know, how did your life kind of changed. You have a small child at home. You'd been training for a year, trying to get back to where you needed to be. Then you get a whole other year. At any point, did you sort of think, I'm not going to do this? I was very doubtful. There was a time period. I think it was right when the Olympics were announced that they were going to be postponed. And our family had made so many sacrifices. Like you said, we had worked so hard already to that point, you know, with dealing with the, you know, the exhaustion, the lack of sleep. And it just felt like, a whole nother year you're asking us to do this. It, it felt, uh, very, very hard. And I felt like, um, you know, I was still kind of taking space to grieve the loss that the Olympics wasn't going to happen the way that I had imagined. Um, and then I, I think after I went through that, then I was like, well, we've come too far at this point. Like, you know, we're all in, like, I've got to see this thing through. Um, but there were moments that, that were just, difficult. I think any new mom, new, and especially new working mom, um, whatever that looks like for you, it's hard to figure out what your new life looks like. And I think I was struggling a bit with that as well. Like I would have great days on the track and then I would come home and I would feel like I'm not doing everything I want to do here. And for me, it was really hard, I think, to ask for help and to ask, you know, my family to step up, but really leaning into that because like, that's the only way that it was going to happen. And how did the pandemic upend that for you? You know, did your family, has your family remained sort of a support system for you, for your daughter throughout the pandemic? Did you guys all pod up or however it might have worked um, to make sure that you had childcare while you were, I mean, clearly I don't have personal experience with this, but from what I understand, it is an all in kind of training. Um, I know a lot of people actually leave their families and go into training 100% so that they're physically ready for the Olympics. 
clearly it's harder to do that when you have small children. <laughs> so very curious how you made it, how you made it work. Yeah, it was really important for me to just be present. Like I've always imagined that's how I would mother and I would always, you know, be very hands-on and that's, that's what I wanted to commit to. And so as a family, you know, with my husband, we decided that, um, you know, thankfully he's been incredibly supportive and we just said, we're going to put everything on hold. And he actually, uh, put his job on hold. He left and he's staying home with our daughter right now. And for me, that, that was the biggest change, you know, to say that this is a family goal. Like we are absolutely just going to kind of pause everything and just say like, we're all in on this. Um, and then that allowed me to be able to go to training and like to be able to have my daughter show up sometimes and, you know, to be very flexible with like how our day looked and, um, and just to say like, okay, you know, like sometimes you're on, sometimes I'm on, but we're going to figure it out together. Um, my husband also has become a stay-at-home dad this year. I, I can't I wait to tell him that it's just like he's <laughs> supporting me to my through my my Olympic goals of beauty directing at Vogue magazine. <laughs> it's such an incredible thing, and I just love to see it happen because you know life changes and it'll look different, and you know you know we'll have the opportunity to support him in some way. But I think it's just a special thing to be able to um, to to let me have my shine and to support me in that way. And I just hope it, it becomes a more normal thing. So your daughter, remind me, your daughter's name is Cameron, right? Mm-hmm, yes. And she was born in 2018? Yes. And so after she was born, how long did it take before you were sort of training again? Yeah. Um, after my daughter was born, I had this I had this plan that I was going to like be back training immediately. And I had like my birth plan and like, you know, this beautiful natural birth and like I'm doing hypnobirthing and like all of it. Right. And I think according to plan, I gave birth uh, two months prematurely and just, it just, we spent a month in NICU and it just wasn't what I imagined. And I had emergency C-section. So I thought, you know, I was going to be back right away. And so I would say, I was probably back doing very light things, um, probably around three or four months after she was born. Wow. Okay. And so that takes us to when in 2018, because typically when do you start training for the Olympics? I mean, presumably your whole life, right? But, you know, (laughs) ahead of a game, typically what is the schedule? Yeah. So it kind of works. So that year we had a world championships. And so typically you would start in um, really in November pretty much. And so I, I, that's when I would have started. So I started, you know, not until the next calendar year, um, going back. So yeah, really, I would say around like January, I started to like kind of lightly do things. So I was already months behind of where I typically would be. Got it. So that January, 2019. Yes. Got it. And then, you know, when would you say you were sort of back when do you feel like you kind of felt it and you were like, all right, I'm ready. I'm back. Let's do this. I would say it was a, a year after I gave birth where I really felt like, okay, I feel like myself again. I, you know, I was competing and I, I, at eight months, you know, I was competing. I went to world championships at 10 months. And although I was still, you know, doing well, I didn't feel like me, you know, right. I felt like I was, you know, I was doing what I could, but I would say a full year. Then I started to be like, wow, this is, this is who I was before. Was that frustrating? 
It was very frustrating. It was very humbling. You know, things that were once really simple for me um, were just challenging. Like I remember doing my first workout. I don't know if you could call it a workout, but it was uh, just a 30 minute walk, like power walk on the treadmill. And I remember, you know, my daughter was fresh out of the NICU and I was just, you know, just exhausted physically, emotionally, like everything. And being on that treadmill and just being in tears afterwards, because I'm like, I can't even walk for 30 minutes. How am I going to get on the biggest stage in the world and, and compete? And so it was, it was very, um, it was a, it was a very difficult process. Yeah. I mean, I remember feeling a similar feeling from my inability to walk up a flight of steps unattended. Um, so I can only imagine what that <laughs> felt like, um, you know, were there any, sort of things that you told yourself, because it's not just the physical toll, right? It's the emotional toll. Is there anything that you sort of found yourself repeating, whether it was a mantra or or otherwise, to kind of talk yourself up and talk yourself back into being like, you can do this, you're going to do this? Yeah. Um, I started to just try to just not have negative thoughts and not have like, not go backwards, really, you know, just surround myself with positivity. And so, you know, I think for me, that looked like people, you know, who who's in my life right now, who is encouraging me. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, obviously, as a new mom, you don't have like a ton of extra time to be doing things. But um, even just like, you know, gratitude journal, and just like focusing on like those little things that you can be grateful for, even though at times, it can feel like everything is going wrong. <laughs> Why do you think that pregnancy and birthing, the complications around it, sort of just the, the education around it, it's not as widespread. Girls that they could do anything. And here I was like fighting this very private battle and I just felt like I had to share my truth. And it's one of those incredible moments where, you know, not only did a lot of people read this and hear this, but you actually caused policy change um, which is incredible and doesn't happen nearly enough. And, you know, you've become sort of an activist for equal pay for women, but also for maternal and fetal health care, specifically for women of color. Um, and I'd love to know a bit more about sort of how you've taken up that activism, even, you know, now two years, two years later after a daughter was born, and, and why you sort of feel so drawn to that cause and to make sure that you're using your platform to speak out on that cause. Yeah. I mean, having my daughter definitely helped me to find that voice. And then it kind of opened up a whole new world because, you know, we had such a difficult situation with, you know, with her birth experience and just understanding that, you know, women of color are at risk. And I felt like there just wasn't enough awareness around that. You know, here I am, um, you know, going through that. And I felt like had I been educated, it would have been an easier path. And so I just felt like if there was anything that I could do to be able to do work in that situation to make it better for someone else, then I was game to do that. And then I, you know, I saw the important work that was being done. I saw the, you know, the opportunity to go in front of Congress to share my story and things I never would have done before that just felt very personal. I saw the need to be able to open up and to share. And so um, I think that's really what kind of flipped the switch for me and changed. And so it was, yes, about maternal health, but also advocating for women in general. Um, you know, obviously the 
uh, maternal protection um, on, in contracts and just even more work to be done there. But yeah, it really just kind of opened the door to all of that. Have you been, I'm so curious, have you been in touch with the U.S. women's national team, the soccer players, um, who obviously are kind of carrying that torch as well for professional athletes, but for all of us, you know, it, are you in dialogue with them? Yeah, I mean, they've been in that fight for a long time. And I do know, um, you know, a few a few of them um, are actually friends. And I just I feel inspired by them as well. You know, obviously, they have, you know, all the support, um, you know, obviously support them in, in all the ways possible. But also, I think just this power of the collective, you know, here, we're all fighting for something, but our voice is so much stronger when we do it together. Um, and, you know, I just I, I love that they're that they're out there and that they're fighting for what they absolutely deserve. And no, I have to ask this. So many of us experience this. Like you said, you'll have a great day on the track and then, you know, you might get home and you have to deal with sort of like the mental anguish that, you know, you're not doing your other job of being a mother as well as you could be doing, you know, how do you rationalize that um, to sort of stay sane (laughs) in your day to day? (laughs) I, I've tried to get better with just giving myself grace and being kind to myself. And I feel like that's the only way that it, it goes because um, it is hard and you can feel so guilty about it and so down about it. Um, and just being okay that like, there's no like path to, there's no perfect path to this. Like literally no one has all the answers and no one has it all figured out. And it looks different for every single family. And I think just being trying to be more okay with that um, has really helped me through like some of those those hard days. And when I'm having a hard day, to also like let someone know, you know, like whether it's my husband or calling my mom and just saying like, can you take Cami for a day? Like, I need a day for me. I mean, that's great advice and surprisingly hard to do for some reason. Um, so hard. I'm curious. You know, this is going to be your fifth Olympics, correct? which is insane and incredible. Um, Have you started to see any changes with sort of the younger female athletes or even your peers in how they approach the idea of family and career within this space and also kind of externally how the um, sports community, the the track and field community is supporting these female athletes? Have you seen uh, change in that regard in your time on the track? Yeah, I have seen a change start to happen. I think that now it's actually a conversation for um, for female athletes in their prime, you know, for it to really be their choice if they want to start a family or if they don't. Um, and I think before, I know just in my own experience, I felt like I had to do everything first. I had to accomplish so much before I could even explore that. Um, I think that there needs to be more done in the in the way of support and what that looks like. You know, I know having my daughter and having to travel across the world and be in hotels that, you know, where it was just hard to be competing and to be a breastfeeding mom and to, you know, have everything put together. I I didn't feel as much support as I could have in in that way. So I think that obviously more should be done. Um, But I do feel like, you know, with everything that happened, we're moving in the right direction. You know, it's not, you know, all at once, but we are, we're going in the right, uh, in the right direction. And what would you like to see, you know, for, both working moms the world over, but specifically in your field, you know, where do you think we, we can be? Yeah, I think it starts with listening, um, you know, to those concerns of new mothers. And so 
having a space to breastfeed or pump, you know, in the stadium, you know, um, being wouldn't able that to be, have... wouldn't that be novel? I mean, I feel like yeah. even seeing those pods in the airport, you know, when you travel, yes. it's yeah. still so rare. So when you do see them, it's just like this moment of joy where you're just like, Oh my God, I can go sit in there, charge my phone, pump. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of places, you know, on the track that I have pumped or, you know, um, had to figure things out and, you know, washing bottles in hotels or having my daughter in a hotel room that's just not conducive to, you know, her being able to sleep and me being able to, you know, still function. And so all of the very practical things that I feel like the decision makers, you know, having more women um, decision makers and a seat at the table uh, really would eliminate some of these things that, you know, people are not even thinking about. Agree a thousand percent. And, you know, I'm curious, what are your and I imagine your um, collaboration with P&G is part of this. But do you have any goals as far as how to continue using your platform to speak about these issues? Yeah, I love what P&G is doing and how they're using the Olympic stage and their platform to be able to celebrate this leading with love, but also highlighting athletes uh, using their voice and who are, um, you know, like in my instance, bringing awareness to some of these things. Um, And I think it's important that, you know, we continue to do that work and to to use the platform. Um, And for me, you know, I won't stop advocating for women. I think that there's so much more work to do. And I plan to to continue to do that at every step along the way that I have the opportunity. Allison Felix is an American sprinter and four-time Olympian. She will next compete at the Olympic trials in June.